Welcome to the Bazgrim TV audio archive. Bazgrim TV is a YouTube channel focused on socially charged MMORPGs, specifically Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, which is an upcoming MMO that emphasizes community and cooperation. Now let me tell you right off the bat that I am not affiliated with the developers in any way. I am just a longtime fan of the game, and I believe that Pantheon is an important part of the future of the genre, so I want to tell you everything I've learned from my years of following its development. So, this podcast is where we go way back in the YouTube catalog to revisit some of my best videos in audio form only. That way, you can listen to them anywhere you go. In this episode, we actually don't need to go that far back in the archive at all because this video was released less than a week ago, but because it's so important, I wanted to revisit it here in audio form as soon as possible. Recently, Ben Dean, the producer of Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, released a lengthy letter that was full of a lot of really critical and interesting information that just had never been shared publicly before. Things like why their current milestone is taking so long, what their financial status is, and when alpha testing will start. This of course created quite the buzz among the community, and again, as someone who has been studying this development process very closely for over four years now, I have a perspective on all this that very few other people do, and I wanted to share that with you. You're listening to the Bazgrim TV Audio Archive. I normally don't do big breakdowns of newsletters like this because, as many of you might know, I usually can just boil it down to a one-minute summary on the Baz Flash. But this newsletter in particular is different. There's just a lot more going on here. And I feel like it's important enough that a quick summary would just not suffice. So that's why we're going to spend some extra time here today digging into it as in as much detail as I can. And if you want to always keep up to date with the latest Pantheon information, hit the subscribe button now because that's exactly what I do here. And from the sounds of this newsletter, there's going to be a lot more to cover in the near future. Um, just as a reminder, I am not affiliated with the development team in any way. I am just looking at this from the perspective of somebody who has been following the development of this game very, very closely for many years. So with that, let's get into it. Now, I intentionally waited a little bit to make this video because I wanted to have a chance to, for one thing, reread this letter as many times as I could to make sure that I understood what I was talking about and not misinform you guys or give you any sort of half-baked thoughts or anything like that. Because again, I feel like this is a pretty significant moment in the history of Pantheon's development. So with that said, I'm gonna try to keep my theorizing to a minimum. I'm certainly not trying to put any words in the dev's mouth or anything like that, but I will just share the thoughts that popped into my head as I was reading this, and if I do have to theorize for any reason, I'll do the best I can to share as much evidence as I have from other sources, again, as somebody who has been following this game very closely for a long time, 
so that you can kind of start to see where um, I'm getting these conclusions from. So I'm not going to go line by line here because it's pretty lengthy and that would just take uh, a very long time. So if you haven't read it already in its entirety, I highly suggest you do that. Um, but for the sake of this video, I just want to focus in on the most important parts. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this beginning section here because from what I can tell, pretty much all this information is already publicly available and I'm going to guess that most people who have been paying attention to the game are probably already aware of this. Um, there's nothing too surprising here, but of course, you know, I, I get they had to kind of set the stage and give the context for maybe those who aren't aware so that we can understand where they're coming from. But I want to move on to the Project Fairthale section here because that's where we really start to get into the meat of this. So as a refresher, quote, by the end of 2018, we began work on Project Fairthale, which was to incorporate all of Pantheon systems into a playable version of the game, end quote. Now, around that time, I actually made a video which detailed their plans for Project Fairthale, and you can still check that out if you're interested. But there was a lot of hype around that project at that time. The devs were talking all the time about how Fairthale was going to be this big thing, and it was going to be so great. Um, but I guess for the purposes of this discussion today, what matters is that it took a long time. <laughs> Now, I guess that should go without saying because that was the end of 2018 and we're now at the end of 2020. But beyond that, the devs were pretty darn quiet during that time. They kind of gave us a heads up about that. They said that they had to just put their heads down so they can work really hard because it was going to be a big undertaking. And that made sense for a while. <laughs> um... But we were never really told how long that was going to last. And it was a pretty far departure from the relatively open development that had been going on up until that point. So the longer it went on, of course, people started to wonder why, especially when some of the Twitch streams that they were doing more recently weren't really lining up with what they said Project Fairthale would look like. And if you've watched some of my community watch parties that I do for those streams lately, um, you'll, you'll see that I was starting to point out how the, those streams just felt off. But now we know why. Quote, we realized that should we continue with the then-current implementation practices, we wouldn't be able to ship the game. We were backing ourselves in a corner with hard coding. Any changes had to be done by programming. All quests, all encounters, everything was hard coded into the client. Designers couldn't do implementation themselves, they needed a programmer to put it into the game for them. Not to mention the size of the code was enormous. Any new programmers coming in would have a hard time making sense of things or even knowing where to begin. Things had to change. So we stopped hard coding. We took this time to develop the actual foundation and pipelines that we're going to need to ship the game. 
Systems got torn out and reconstructed into a much more efficient and flexible format. Zones were harvested and replanted in expandable gray box format. Even the content, such as encounters, storylines, and tasks, were recreated in freshly built tools to empower designers. From the earlier versions, we gained insight as to where these systems needed to go and how they needed to be built. This was what was needed to move forward, to get the game built in a way that could be rapidly built upon with little wasted effort from development, and to scale to the size of project that Pantheon is meant to be. The prior versions of the game couldn't do that. It added to the timeline of Project Fairthale, but it was well worth it. This is the architecture that will take us through to launch and allow designers, current and future, to be able to add content easily, efficiently, and effectively. This will become more and more clear over the next months as you see more rapid development taking effect." End quote. First of all, I'm quite impressed that they came out and said that this is what happened because obviously it's not ideal and probably a little embarrassing. Although at the same time, I'm sure my friends in the programming world can attest that this sort of thing happens more often than most people would probably like to admit. In fact, it happens so often that there's actually a name for it. From the sounds of things, what we had here is a case of spaghetti code. Quote, spaghetti code is a derogatory term for computer programming that is unnecessarily convoluted and particularly programming code that uses frequent branching from one section of code to another. Spaghetti code sometimes exists as the result of older code being modified a number of times over the years." End quote. So it sucks, but it does happen. And ultimately, I think what's important here is that, for one thing, they acknowledged it and had the wherewithal to course correct so that we didn't end up with another launched mess <laughs> like Vanguard because that it seems like that's the direction that it was headed and at this point it seems like the worst of it is behind them and they are now on the right track. Now you may be asking at this point what took so long? Why couldn't they structure the code in the appropriate way long before now? And I think that's an excellent question because that's one of the first things that I thought of as well when I was reading this. And from what I can tell, the most likely explanation is that there was simply no one on the team who had the technical expertise to do that on the scale that it needs to be to be done properly and stand the test of time. Just look. Quote, it was very clear that to ship Pantheon sooner rather than later, we were going to need to get more parties interested, get more investment, and expand the team with more talent and skill sets beyond those of our current roster, end quote. So even if they knew early on that this overhaul would have to happen eventually, like if they knew where it needed to be but didn't have the skill set on hand to get it there, then I could see why the only thing that they could really do was try to continue to raise funds in order to hire somebody who did know how to architect the code in the proper way because in general talent costs money. Now if that is the case it would have been nice um, for us as the community to know that ahead of time but 
we'll get into that a little bit more later. Anyway, I'm willing to bet that the hiring of Kyle Olsen, who's their new lead programmer, who came on around the middle of last year when all this was going on, I think that played a major role in all this. Now, obviously, I'm sure we all wish that this could have been done a lot sooner than now, but in my mind, the fact that they were able to do this at all is pretty encouraging in a way. Like, if they were really strapped for cash with no way out, then they probably would have been forced to just roll with what they had and that again would have led us to another vanguard situation where it's like well this is what we got there's no turning back now so let's just ship it and hope for the best <laughs> like just look at this quote from creative director chris joppa perkins in the pantheon community discord where he said quote we did what we had to do to not repeat history end quote now i've seen a few people compare this overall here to the time that Pantheon was scrapped almost completely back in 2014 and trying to make the claim that now the devs have had to completely rebuild the game twice. Well, after the Kickstarter failed to meet its goal, Brad McQuaid did quite literally go back to the drawing board and... According to community manager Ben Kilson Walters, from 2014 to 2015, 80-90% to of the game was scrapped. That includes not just the code, but also all of the designs, the lore, and even most of the team itself. I mean, the original Kickstarter page is still up. You can go look at it and see for yourself how utterly different of a game it was. Just as a few examples, back then the world was called Celestius, the map looked like this, and you could play as an undead revenant, and combat revolved around harvesting souls from your enemies. It was kind of weird to be honest. So when looking at the big picture, we can see pretty clearly that what they've done during Project Fairthill is not actually scrapping the game. It's not rebuilding the game from the ground up because it's specifically referring to the code of the game. It's the, the guts under the hood, so to speak, as well as also moving away from those generic store-bought Unity assets. And speaking of which, in regard to why those unity assets were used in the first place let's go back to joppa in the pantheon community discord quote we believed that was the best way to depict what pantheon would look like while giving us the ability to prototype gameplay and it's not totally uncommon though gray boxing is the true industry standard when you have a typically closed development process but when the majority of your game world is built using a smattering of different art assets from different authors with different rendering pipelines, poly budgets, art styles, etc., you end up with a world that cannot be woven together system-wise to be a performant game. You also severely limit your ability to design zones freely because you are working with a rigid terrain versus building what you actually want and need." End quote. 
And when it comes to now ripping out those assets, he goes on to say, quote, it was a hard call, but ultimately better to do it sooner with fewer zones than wait to do it later. Doing it with Thronefast, Avendeer's Pass, etc. also allowed us to solidify that process slash pipeline so we can deliver all zones from here on out with that same proven process. So yeah, it's always hard to look at something and say, this simply isn't watertight and won't hold up the way we need it to long term, we need to truly fix it. But it was the right decision for the long term health of Pantheon, end quote. And on that note, I want to point out too that the handmade art assets that they've already made in-house are still used in the world. For example, in their recent streams of Thronefast, while most of it is gray boxed to replace those old generic Unity assets, you can still see the Thronefast walls in-game in the background, which were created in-house a while ago, as we saw in the making of a city stream. Now, I don't want to downplay the significance of this overhaul, because it's clearly no small task, but it's, it's not starting over. It's much less of an undertaking than if they had redone 100% of the art. Not to mention all the classes and the systems and the lore, etc. So, to put it another way, yes, they kind of had to take a couple steps back to get on the right track. But, because they were still able to continue work on the design side of things, I don't consider it to be a complete loss. Okay, so with that in mind, let's move on to pre-alpha 5, which is of course where the game is at currently. And the letter goes on to explain how by the end of pre-alpha 5, all of the core systems will be in. The core gameplay loop will be in pretty much everything they had originally wanted to do with Project Fairthale in order to give players a solid idea of what it actually feels like to play Pantheon at launch. And when we look at it that way, it's actually kind of interesting to think about how in the past year and a half, two years, not only were they able to completely restructure the code of the game, but they were then also able to elevate it pretty much to the point of where they wanted it to be originally. Now, obviously, it's not quite there yet, but they're approaching it. And why is this important? Well, because, quote, this experience is needed so it can be shared with potential partners. Publishers and investors need to see what Pantheon is, how it plays, what it's all about. Several parties are interested in the concept, and we now need to show them that it's a reality. We are and always will be eternally grateful for the kindness and generosity of the community and our early investors in getting us this far, but we're going to need more resources to get Pantheon done sooner than our modest team can realistically do by themselves in a reasonable time frame. PA5 serves as a testing area for this evaluation build." End quote. Now, this may be the most important part of the whole letter, and we'll kind of park here for a while, but before I get too deep into it, I wanted to point out one little thing that just kind of stuck out to me as I was reading this letter that I thought was kind of interesting, and that is how often they remind us 
how small of a team they are. Like, look, our modest team and above, our small team, our scrappy few. Like, you can, you can start to see the theme there. And even here, they provide a link to their new team page where we can see that, yeah, this is a fairly small team by MMO standards anyway, and there's several people here that are in multiple roles. They have three programmers, four artists, four designers, although, as we learned in this letter, remember that thanks to the new tools and infrastructure that they have set up, these designers will be able to now add content to the game themselves actually instead of having to wait for a programmer to do it and that's key because again three programmers is not a lot for a full-fledged mmo anyway there are of course several other people here like you got the executives and then there's the community management marketing customer service etc and don't get me wrong all of these people are an important part of the overall health of the project but it looks like there's maybe only about 10 people at most who are directly contributing to the creation of the content that is actively building the game world and so why do i think that they kind of felt the need to drive this point home about being a small team well my guess is that it's because there's quite a lot of people on the outside who will compare the development trajectory of Pantheon to something like, as an easy example, Ashes of Creation, which has way more money and a way bigger team. And so I guess it just sort of serves as a reminder that if you find yourself comparing these projects side by side, it's really just not that fair of a comparison they're just not on an even playing field i guess is what i'm trying to say like i get why people make these comparisons like if you're an mmorpg fan and you want to keep up with all the mmos that are in development then it might seem easy to kind of think of it as a race like which one is going to be released first but the way that all of these projects are set up from the beginning it's just very different like for example ashes has steven sharif who is bankrolling the game himself and the crowdfunding is more of like the cherry on top whereas pantheon is much more of a grassroots effort through and through and you know one is not necessarily better than the other they're just coming from different directions although i will say that at least comparing pantheon to ashes is at least a little better than comparing pantheon to something like new world which has that amazon money from day one i say this quite often but i will never pass up an opportunity to remind you that if all else is equal a crowdfunded development will always, always, always take longer than development that has backing right off the bat. Like, 
Think about it. If you had to periodically take time to show off the progress of your game and market it and raise awareness by doing Twitch streams and soliciting investors, etc. It's just going to take more hours than if you had been able to just keep your head down and keep working since you don't have to worry about all those things if you are guaranteed essentially to have the funding from a huge corporation that will carry you straight to launch. But anyway, I'll get off my soapbox so that we can wrap back around here to the producer's letter because I've seen quite a few people zero in on this line where it says, quote, we're going to need more resources to get Pantheon done sooner than our modest team can realistically do by themselves in a reasonable time frame, end quote. Now, I know that a lot of people have this pretty bad habit of pretending like they can predict exactly how things will go and use that as if this is some sort of indication that the game is on its last legs but without getting too far into the semantics of this this sentence is just not saying that the game is going to be cancelled if they don't immediately get a lot more funding what it is saying is that it would certainly take a lot longer and I think we all know without a doubt that that would be a very rough road for them to go down, but that's kind of splitting hairs. I think the more relevant part of this paragraph is where it says, quote, several parties are interested in the concept, end quote. And that's the key, but that's not even big news. Like, they've been talking about this for a while, um, and... Even if you haven't been following Pantheon closely, I just don't think it should come as that much of a surprise that a full-scale MMORPG like this will need some sort of a publisher or a partner in order to be a commercial success. And, by the way, because some people conflate the meaning of that, commercial success doesn't mean it's this widespread thing that appeals to everybody and dominates the the market like wow a commercial success just means being profitable and sustainable now the nathan napalm recently did a really cool interview with ben dean who by the way wrote this producer's letter and in that he elaborated on all this talk about publishing deals well it's it's a flexible approach is is what we're doing um so we always considered um investors and publishers uh there wasn't a time when we didn't consider that um in fact even in the early days we were talking to potential investors and publishers as we still are now um and some of those investors some um, have invested some of the publishers, you know, I, I think I, we mentioned earlier today too, you know, it just it wasn't the right time. So we've that being said, if we could solely crowdfund, we would. So if yeah. if that happens, you know, if 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 we somehow get to that point where crowdfunding, let me put it this way, crowdfunding at the rate that it is now and has been, you know, it will get the game launched. It will take 
considerable more amount of time right. than it would if we had a, a quicker injection of you know from a publisher or a major investor so i mean take that as you will but i would rather get the game done quicker without sacrificing our our integrity yeah um and, and make the game that we have always intended to make which is you know there's no question that's that's the way that we're going to go so it's just about finding the right the right the right partner to do that but yeah it was always i mean it was always a mix and it was always planned to be a mix and whatever gets us there sooner that without sacrificing our our goals is is the answer and is it fair to say that crowdfunding uh, this game allowed you got allowed you guys the ability to be pickier about the publisher or major investor because oh yeah i mean and, unless we had started with you know a large sum of money independently somehow um i certainly didn't have <laughs> much money going in um but yeah no absolutely this was uh it's allowed us it's, it's given us the opportunity to negotiate um on many levels like it's allowed us to continue operating and it's it's a lot also given us the opportunity to show potential partners how many people are interested you know we can show them the numbers we can say you know look this is how many people uh, are donating x amount because they want to see this game <laughs> yeah. and it's pretty impressive uh to to an external party seeing that many people that driven about about a game that they're that they're willing to put their own dollar on the line um to, to see it happen so yeah so it's a strong argument we of course don't know if any of these publishing deals that are on the table will go through at all, but we can wait and see. And I also understand that a lot of us who have been consumers in the gaming industry for quite a while are far too used to these huge corporate giants that swoop in and change a whole bunch of stuff about our favorite games to make them more pay to win or whatever, simply out of greed with seemingly no regard for the integrity of the game itself. Hooking up with a bad publisher will ruin a game. That definitely does happen, but I think we need to remember that not all publishers are like that. While we still don't know what publisher Pantheon will end up with, I think that it seems like because of how carefully they are approaching it, any sort of confirmed publishing deal would almost assuredly be a major, major benefit for the project. Again, take a listen to this clip from Nathan Napalm's interview with Ben Dean. This always comes down to if it's a good match. Now we have spoken with uh, investors and publishers um, since the get-go, and sometimes we get—I don't want to call them offers—the um, the conversation comes to the table, and we start negotiating what a relationship between the partners would look like. And we've turned down those those a lot of partnerships, um, and the reason being is because first and foremost, I mean, there, there's multiple reasons to turn it down, but but first and foremost we need to make the game that we we want to make um we have a very clear vision and sometimes that just doesn't you know match up with with uh, potential partners um what what they want to do you know and that's not a good thing or a bad thing it's just not a match so the most important thing 
for us is to find the right match. And we do that all the way down to the investor level. We have a few angel investors right now, and all of those people are wonderful people that match the goals of Pantheon. We gotta remember too that before any publisher will jump on board with a the project, they're gonna send a technical auditor to inspect the code in order to make sure that it's even viable before they sign any papers. And if they take a peek under the hood and they see spaghetti code, they're gonna go back to the publisher and they're gonna be like, hey guys, this thing's a mess. It's gonna be a huge pain to get it to where it needs to be. And then of course, when the publisher hears that, they're gonna back off and the, the chances of that deal going through dramatically go way down very fast because it's just not going to be worth their time or money. So again, to have any chance of Pantheon living up to its fullest potential, this coding overhaul had to be done. Again, I'm sure we all wish that this could have been done a lot sooner or at least known about it sooner. But as they say, better late than never right i could say more but let's move on this section here is just kind of reiterating what content will be added over the course of pre-alpha 5 and more specifics about how the testing will go but let's skip ahead to what is probably on everybody's mind and that is alpha quote we do not have these dates yet as there are a lot of systems and content to test in pre-alpha 5 and pre-alpha 5 will last as long as it takes we certainly are not going to spend years in pre-alpha 5, but we will spend the time we need to get the game in a state where it is a playable, enjoyable game that covers a full progression path from 1 to 50. We are actively taking steps to improve our communication with you, so please know that when we are nearing the completion of pre-alpha 5, we will make it abundantly clear. In the meantime, even if you are not a pre-alpha tester, we will be sharing the progress with you routinely." End quote. So let's think about this one step at a time here. As it stands now, it's pretty clear to me that first and foremost, Alpha is, let's just say within reach. And I can also say without a doubt that Alpha is going to be a very critical turning point for the development of the game, for better or for worse, depending on how smoothly it goes. So in that sense, I really can't blame them for wanting to make sure that they have all of their ducks in a row before they throw open those floodgates because I'm willing to bet that if it does go well, things will be much smoother sailing from then on out. Why? Because we've seen time and time again how momentum is an absolutely essential part of any type of crowdfunding. And to explain what I mean, let me tell you a quick story. When I first played Pantheon for the very first time, it was TwitchCon 2017, and I met the devs in person there. And at one point, I found myself next to Brad McQuaid, and we were standing off to the side of the booth a little bit. And as you may know, Brad was very keen on sociology because after all, he made community-based MMOs that were powered by interaction between human players. So he was very savvy about how humans interacted with each other 
in large groups. And while we were watching visitors approach the Pantheon booth, he started talking about how people follow people. And it's ingrained in our human nature to be attracted to a crowd. Because if we see a large group gathering somewhere, our instinct is to think, hmm, there must be something pretty interesting going on over there. Maybe I should check it out. Because we trust that they wouldn't just be gathering over there for no reason. There must be something there that's worth seeing. And every time that happens, the group gets bigger. And as the group gets bigger, more people are more likely to notice that and be attracted by it. So it's, it's kind of like a chain reaction. And you can apply a very similar principle to Pantheon's Alpha because there are thousands of players who have been waiting a very long time for Alpha. And when those doors finally fly open, most, if not all of them, are going to come rushing in, either because they've been foaming at the mouth this whole time, or maybe they're just curious. Regardless, this will generate some buzz in the gaming media outlets. And on top of that, even more important, this is also when more people will have more chances to stream their gameplay on Twitch or YouTube or whatever. And we all know the type of exponential reach that that can have. So if the alpha client is solid and presentable, people will start to realize that, hey, this is a cool game. And that type of positive attention can spread. And that usually leads to an uptick in pledges as more and more people see that, yes, this is a real thing. They wanna get in on it themselves. And so they donate and then maybe at that point, maybe investors will start to notice that there's more excitement surrounding the game and they'll start to think about how maybe this is more likely to be a profitable venture because there's clearly already an existing audience around it that's excited about the game. And so then maybe some bigger investments come in and with those more pledges and investments, then the team can hire more developers. And with more developers, the rate of progress increases. As the rate of progress increases, the excitement around the game increases, and so the cycle continues. Now, of course, nobody knows exactly how this will all play out, but I just mention it because that sort of thing does happen all the time, not just in game development, and it makes a big difference. So, that's why I personally am usually kind of skeptical of some games that have these very anticlimactic trickling approaches where there's never really any big buildup because it seems like if you want to get a lot of attention quickly, you got to make waves. So anyway, while this letter is a great start and I'm glad they released it, I think the next thing that the devs should do is talk more about how they're going to get to alpha like what steps are between where they are now and where alpha needs to be now fortunately it seems like creative director chris perkins agrees with me and that's something that's already in the works and i hope the devs release that asap because especially for those that might be feeling a little disoriented about 
how the development has been going, I think it would really help to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm actually glad that he mentioned that there wouldn't be any sorts of dates because I think that's entirely unnecessary and really just runs a risk of coming back to bite them. I think it would just put a lot of people at ease just to know what steps need to be taken. Lastly, the letter goes on to say here, quote, we know that there has been a great deal of confusion around Project Fairthale and Pre-Alpha 5. We did a poor job at communicating the nuances and the amount of work that was needed to get us into the workable state we're in now, which left you in a long period of wondering what was going on. We can't undo that, but we want to do better going forward. So our deepest and sincerest thank yous to those of you who stuck through it and to those of you whose belief in us has wavered, we hope through our actions we can earn your confidence again. We're crazy excited about where we are now, amazing things are ahead, and we want to share this experience together. After all, taking the journey with friends isn't that what Pantheon is all about, end quote. Now, I know this has been a lot, and I think that that's a great way to end it. But before I go, I just want to say that I understand that to some people, all this talk about how development is going to be moving a lot faster now and how they're working on improving their communication with us might seem like a lot of words. And ultimately, yes, I agree that the proof is in the pudding, okay? And we're just going to have to see what that follow through is like, which by the way, I think that that's another reason why the next logical step for them to take would be to lay out the steps that they need to take to get to alpha because that would help demonstrate their transparency a little bit more. But I think for me personally, because they were more open about the bad stuff, that makes me more likely to believe the good stuff as well. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you learned something from it. And if you did, make sure you're subscribed now because I'll be releasing one of these each and every week until I've gone through my entire archive. And then even after that, I'll continue releasing all of my new videos right here in audio form as well. So while you're here, remember that you can rate and review this episode and share it with some of your friends that you think might be interested in Pantheon so that we can spread the word about the game to even more people and grow the community. So until next week, stay curious and adventure on.